one of the most challenging parts of uh, this transition with Roman and our elders over the past four years is realizing that I'm not not going to be just like Robin. I've worked with him for 20 years uh, this Friday, and it, it feels like I'm supposed to be just like Robin. Um, I've seen everything he's, everything he's done. I mean, a lot of it. 20 years, and you work with someone. Uh, and it has all been done with integrity and with love and with faithfulness. And by God's grace, I'll continue those things. Um, but I don't necessarily have to fill his shoes. Someone um, counseling me on this, I don't remember who, but said, of course, you're never going to fill his shoes. You're not even meant to wear them. You're going to lead in ways that God specifically gifted you to lead. This might mean that you follow in some of his footsteps, but you were never made to fill someone else's shoes. And I want to assure each of you that this is not my attempt to fill and it's not like an illustration to say see i'm not wearing shoes it just so just to be really clear for a second i'm dressed down because it doesn't hurt to put on a hoodie uh, but you also don't want to see me without a hoodie right now because we're in a good place where some of that new skin is growing back and it ain't pretty but it feels like it's supposed to and uh, wearing shoes just hurts that sort of process on my foot so I'm sort of like Shoeless Joe for a while, and that's okay with me. <laughs> I have my life. I am grateful. I thank you guys for checking in on the Tanners, and uh, if you need to know the bottom line is Andrea uh, is still a saint, so that's what you need to know. <laughs> All right, if you've got your handouts uh, and then you want to grab your Bibles, we're going to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 3. <clears throat> we see that Samuel hears God's voice. How many of us want to hear God's voice? How many of us want to discern what God is saying to us? Jesus says, recorded by John, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And in Revelation again, John writing, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. So two questions I want to try to answer today, and we will not cover the doctrine of the Holy Spirit in whole this morning, but I want to hit some highlights for two questions. Why don't we hear God? And how can we hear God? We've been talking about seasons, and we've talked about seasons of suffering, and we've talked about seasons of revival. And I believe that within a season of revival that you're going to have seasons of hearing God or seasons of discerning God's voice. And so some of you have already done a study. Maybe it was by Priscilla Schreier, I think a six or seven week study. If you've done that study, want to raise your hand. Was it six or seven weeks? I know our women did that study. And was it six or seven weeks? Do you remember? Yep, that's right. It was. She said so. So it was right in there. And uh, that was a study that I think is a good resource. I know our women's Bible study went through it, but maybe you want to go through it with a small group after the sermon because you want to begin practicing, discerning the voice of God. Maybe you want to read a book on your own. Dallas Willard wrote a book called Hearing God, and I reread a lot of that for the sermon, but just couldn't include it all. So we're just going to talk about what the Bible says. And you can go read that book if you'd like to. It's a great book. 
and then finally, I know uh, hands for this one has, have you read or gone through the study um, Forgotten God by Francis Chan? I know some of our groups have gone through that, so I'd like to know where our church is on some of that. Thank you, guys. Okay, so three great resources that you may want to follow up with after this sermon, but the questions we're answering today is, why don't I hear God, or how can I hear God? So let's just start with, why don't I hear God, and that'll be on the front side of your handout, and you've got some room down here. Maybe you want to write those resources down. Uh, You can text me later if you've forgotten them, but it's Priscilla Schreier, Francis Chan, and Dallas Willard. Um, And you've got room down there for a bonus uh, slide that we don't have, because we're going to need to cover it. We didn't have time to get it in the slides. So why don't we hear from God? We've got five barriers, four when I turn the slides in, that prevent us from hearing from God. I'll start with number one, unrepentant sin. John writes, we know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Unrepentant sin will prevent us from having God listen to us. Thus, we're not going to hear anything from God. Number two, disobedient lifestyle, Psalm 66, 18. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. So we need to talk about the word cherished before we move on to our third point. You probably think I cherish my kids, I cherish my spouse. Maybe we cherish our homes or our wider extended family. Maybe you even have like a car that you've restored that you cherish or something like that that you would guard closely where harm to come near, you would want to cherish it. Another place that we can see someone cherishing something is the prodigal son. He lived life in kind of three chapters that we're aware of. The chapter where he was at home in relationship with his family and with his father. The life where he had gone into the city and lived a life of sin. And then the life where he had returned back to home, reestablishing his relationship with his father and with his family. That person, that prodigal son, he cherished three different things. But somewhere in the middle of cherishing that wicked lifestyle, he decided he had to turn because he was living a disobedient lifestyle. And as long as we're going to live a disobedient lifestyle, we cannot expect to hear from God. How many instructions do you get from your GPS if you never turn it on? You probably get zero. All right, so number three... I'm sorry, number two was disobedient lifestyle. Number three is we don't believe that we can. A couple of quick hitters here. There was a myth propagated about the four-minute mile that runners couldn't break it because they didn't believe they could. I read this week that that just wasn't true. That was written by a lot of different media outlets. Hmm, interesting. Uh, Then the sound barrier uh, it was true that for a while people believed that you couldn't break it because it was, ne- it was necessarily causing instruments to malfunction in planes and planes to behave differently. Well, it wasn't the sound barrier, although there is a part of that that John Bruns can talk to you about if you'd like, probably Rebecca Tyler, uh, but their technology had not reached a point where they could. But for a long time in there, they believed that they could not. So maybe we don't hear from the Holy Spirit because we don't believe that we can. Uh, and then I want to end, end this third point on sola scriptura, and let's look at a quick slide here, uh, because 
the five solas were probably developed uh, before all of us were really thinking about being a baby. Um, it was sort of a, a summary of the Reformation. Uh, so the Reformation is where the, our church, the Protestant church, the non-Catholic, we uh, decided there's a lot that needs reformed here. So we had a Reformation, and here is one of the, one of the core essen essences of the Reformation. That is, the Catholic church believes they're in authority over Scripture. So there's nothing to fill in on your blank there. If you want to make a note about this, you can. But essentially, the Catholic church believed that the Pope speaks ex cathedra, or on behalf of the church, and that the church sits in authority over the Scriptures, Whereas the Protestant church will say, we sit, in, uh, we sit in submission to or under the authority of the scriptures. So whenever you hear something like sola scriptura, uh, which is a really brief Latin phrase that means scripture alone, uh, what we need to remember is that scripture alone is sufficient for us to become saved. We do not, however, need to read into it that Scripture alone is our only guide, because Scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit is going to be a guide as well. So let's not allow uh, the work of the third person of God to be superseded by Scripture to the point that we have Father, Son, and uh, Holy Bible, because you're not going to find that in the Word, but you are going to find what? You're going to find the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You're going to find that in Scripture. So even in our attempt to try to summarize and be very succinct in things like sola scriptura, um, as time has gone on, it has been sometimes referred back to in a way that wasn't uh, native to its original meaning. So we want to understand it in a way that it was originally intended, and that is that it is sufficient to save, and it is sufficient for faith, but it is not our only guide, because that removes a person of the Trinity, which is probably a place that a lot of Protestant churches find themselves today. That's why things like Forgotten God are really popular, because we've kind of decided we don't need to hear from the Holy Spirit, because that's all really wishy-washy and mushy, and I'll agree, that's really scary. So what could happen? I don't know. So the third reason we may not hear from God is that we don't believe that we can. Our fourth reason, uh, we're too busy Psalm 4610, some of you may struggle in the same area with the same psalm that I do, and that is be still, even now. It's difficult to be still. Be still and know that I am God. So the question I have to ask myself, and you may want to ask yourselves, how highly are we valuing time with other believers? You're valuing it right now by agreeing to a symbol as the called out ones, as the church, but how highly are we valuing that in our our lives outside of Sunday morning? Are we valuing a meeting time with other Christians for the purpose of the sharpening and the building up of our faith? Are we valuing relationships that increase our faith? Because we're putting value on something. We're spending our time on it. That tells us how we value it. How are we valuing time with believers? Are we too busy for that? It's unlikely that the Holy Spirit is going to, it's not impossible. It's unlikely that the Holy Spirit just wants to send you a text or an email or meet you in a Zoom. Of course he could. He's God. But how likely is that when we're not seeking, when we're too busy to be listening and seeking for what God wants for us? If we're not seeking, I would just call that kind of dreaming or maybe just hoping that God wants to just randomly communicate to us in spite of our 
unwillingness to communicate with him. Now, no slide for this one, but your fifth one uh, would be that we just, we don't want to hear from God. In a conversation with someone uh, about this, I was asking, you know, what about hearing from God? What's your experience been like? And they said, well, if I'm honest, sometimes I'm afraid to hear from God because I'm afraid I don't want to do what he says. So maybe it's just that we don't want to hear from God. It could be true that we don't hear from God because we don't want to. We're afraid of what he might say. All right, so then let's switch gears. How then, how can we go about hearing from God? How can we discern what God might be speaking or saying or communicating to us? And I don't want to imply that you're going to hear an audible voice from God because even here we're not sure that Samuel was hearing an audible voice from God. You can examine your own scriptures. Did Eli hear the voice? Only Samuel heard the voice. So was it audible? We don't know. We know that Samuel heard it. We don't know that it was audible. We know that he heard it, though. So I'm not trying to imply to you that at the end of today that you're supposed to go out of here and on Tuesday morning, your time with Jesus, you're supposed to hear, I wanted you to turn left on Broadway. I'm not, I'm not saying that God couldn't treat your life like a GPS because indeed he could do anything. But we also have this whole testament of scripture that indicates that in the majority of situations, we are human beings who have free will. So I'm not inclined to believe that every one of us is going to live a turn-by-turn GPS style of leadership of the Holy Spirit. And I'll say on the other hand, I have many times heard from people who said, the Lord told me to this specific thing. But they didn't go on to say that, and he kept speaking the rest of the day and told me, do this, go there, eat a ham sandwich, and for dinner, you're going to need peanut butter. Like, that, that did not happen. But there were times in people's lives who I trust where they did have some kind of communication from God, whether they said it was audible, turn left on Broadway, or whether it was like an impression or something that they understood in a new way or something that as they're reading Scripture, they might say, leapt off the page. So how can we hear God? Well, number one, we need to obey what's already been said. The question we have to ask ourselves here, you may want to write this in your notes and on your hand, and for me, on the backs of my eyelids, are we obeying? Are we obeying what we already know that we need to do? Are we obeying? Uh, Samuel writes this in 1 Samuel 15, 22. But Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? And in case someone was dumb and not really listening, he says, listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. It's like when the teacher thinks the class is so dumb, they're not getting it. Okay, children, here's the answer that I just asked you the question for. Listening, okay, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than then the offering, the fat of rams. I don't think anyone was thinking they were going to leave here and offer the fat of rams, but if I'm honest about my own life, I would rather than obey entirely, sometimes I would rather have this whole list of sacrifices. Somehow I come to the conclusion at the end of this list of sacrifices, because who's determining the end of this list? I'm determining the end of the list. I've got this whole list of sacrifices, and then I feel like it's okay to just turn the page in life and go over to this, this, uh, let's say, partial integrity. 
That's outrageous because he desires obedience, not a whole bunch of garbage sacrifice. He just wants obedience. So number one, are we obeying? Another example from scripture, Gideon, after this is in Judges 6, after being visited by the angel of the Lord in a such a way that he's able to give an offering and the angel's able to cause fire to come up from a stone and consume the offering. I mean, it's a whole experience. And then the Lord speaks after that to Gideon. Then Gideon goes on to say, Lord, I want you to make this fleece wet. And now I want you to make the ground wet and the fleece dry. Gideon keeps asking for signs after already having the Lord speak to him and the angel of the Lord come and speak to him and his offering being devoured by fire from a flame that came up from a rock. I'm not saying this is exactly what happened in Gideon, but if you read this story for yourself, is it possible that we may be living a little like Gideon sometimes where we know we've already been told very clearly what we need to do but instead, we're kind of sitting back going, I wonder what the will of God is. Can you guys see my thumbs twiddle? And, and this is the action that we're taking while saying things that sound very holy. I wonder what the will of God is. Should I love my neighbor? Hmm. And that's really just an excuse. But we like to cover it and be a little bit spiritual and say, well, I'm, I'm discerning I'm discerning God's will for my life. Maybe some of you guys have already experienced this in your life. Maybe you have a family or a friend or someone at school that you need to forgive. And I've talked about forgiveness a couple times last year, one time this year. Robin talked about it last week. I wonder how many of us are still needing to not only hear about forgiveness, but actually forgive. How many of us are doing this kind of forgiveness when we know we need to obey and actually forgive as we have been forgiven. Maybe you can relate to that in your own lives. Maybe a neighbor has asked for some help on something. I don't know. I had a neighbor call me one time and say, hey, can you come down and help, uh, help me lift something? And I go down to help him lift it. And I get there and he wants me to help him lift the top off his septic tank. So I want to implore you, maybe you should ask what your neighbor needs help with. First of all, you may not be qualified for it, but I had to go back home and get some tools to do that. I didn't know what I was getting into. Maybe you have a neighbor who said very clearly, I need help moving my bed. I don't know. Maybe you need some clarity on what your neighbor needs help with, but maybe God has already made clear to you what you need to do, and we're just unwilling to do it. Maybe when you bow your head, you close your eyes, you open your Bible, whatever it is that you're doing for your time with the Lord, it's at the front of your mind. Meanwhile, you're wanting to know what God says to you, and at the front of your mind is, have you forgiven Jim? I think we know what we need to do. We need to obey. Why would God begin giving us direction on something else in our life when we're not following the one that's right here in front of us? For so many, I think this is the case. He's been speaking and we're unwilling to obey. Maybe it's some kind of a fear we need to deal with. Jesus says this, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. And I'll ask the Father and he'll give you another helper. That's the Holy Spirit. And he'll be with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Maybe Holy Spirit is saying to you, whatever it is he's saying to you, and we're just not willing to obey. So number one, we need to obey what's already been said. Number two, I'm going to ask the question, are you repentant of your sin? Are you repentant of your sin? We need to be repentant of our sin. Is there any unrepentant sin 
in our life. The writer in Proverbs says, whoever remains stiff-necked after many rebukes will suddenly be destroyed without remedy. To be stiff-necked is to be stubborn or to be obstinate or to refuse to take guidance. It's just unresponsive to godly correction. So if we're on one hand pursuing a sinful lifestyle or just nurturing a certain sin in our life, and on the other hand, asking God to speak to us, why would God speak to us when we are nurturing this sin over here in our lives? It's another form of disobedience, if we're honest. James 4, uh, James understands this issue, and he writes in James 4, draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you, and that's what we want to do. We want to hear from God. We want to know his will for life. We want to do what he wants us to do, but look what James goes on to say. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. He knows they're related, that our nearness to God is related to our willingness to be living in a repentant lifestyle. One, one person shared with me that as they were seeking the Lord in their own prayer life, they were asking and asking and asking, and then it occurred to them as they're praying, you know, I do revisit this one sin that I asked for forgiveness for, but I revisit the memory of that sin as though it was a happy time in my life. Are we maybe living in an old sin, not committing, but maybe remembering fondly a sinful time in our lives, reimagining it with happiness? Are you repentant of your sin? Number three, find your Eli. Who's your Eli? You might be wondering, what on earth is an Eli? Maybe you got here late and you did not hear Stephen read 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. So Eli was the priest at the time that Samuel came to live in the temple, and Samuel then was trained up by Eli to be a priest and prophet for the kingdom of Israel. So, so Eli was the one who Samuel received direction from. That's why I ask, who is your Eli? Do you have maybe a father or a mother in the faith? Maybe someone who introduced you to Jesus do you have a sister or a brother whose voice you trust because of their journey with Jesus? So Paul not only uh, commanded that, that we be teaching and sharing our faith with those who are coming up, those who are younger in the faith or maybe even younger biologically, but helping them to become more like Christ. And in our community of belief here, we're going to call that disciple-making, who who of us has someone who is discipling us, helping us to become more like Christ? So Paul not only commanded that, but then he demonstrated it, and this is in the lives of Timothy and Titus. He met Timothy on his second missionary journey. He took him along, and he trained him, and then he sent him to Ephesus. Here, Timothy, go deal with that disaster. It's a catastrophe. Have fun. Bye. But, Tim but you can't send Timothy there if you haven't trained him in the way of faith, which Paul did. And he did the same thing with Titus. Titus accompanied him on his third missionary journey. They lived together, worked together alongside one another, learned about life with Jesus. Paul's instructions match his actions to Timothy and to Titus. Jesus and Paul both expect this, that we are to pass along our faith. And that's done by having someone who disciples us and that's done by us discipling. Titus, and his letter to Titus, when Titus is uh, in Crete, Paul writes, <clears throat> but as for you, teach that what accords with sound doctrine. Older men 
are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They're to teach what is good, and so train the younger women to love their husbands and children. So we have to agree that we've got to find an Eli. We've got to find a Paul. We've got to find someone who's going to be discipling us and helping us grow in our faith. There's not a way to do this on your own. He gave us a church for this purpose. So how many of you have ever found a, a great new restaurant? And you found this great new restaurant, and you would call it great because not only uh, when you went there, but you, you, uh, you experienced an ambiance or an atmosphere that was really comfortable and inviting and allowed you and your date or your friends to relax and enjoy not only the meal, but also the conversation because the meal was taken care of and the, and the ambiance or the atmosphere was such that it was uh, mood setting in a way that you felt comfortable staying for a while. The food came out like you ordered it and it came out in a timely fashion and it was even affordable. Would not that experience cause you to want to go maybe share that with a friend? Of course you would well, some of us might. Some of us may want to keep it a secret forever. <laughs> but some of us might want to tell the friends that weren't there, man, we got to go back to this place together. It was super. It was a great experience. It wasn't expensive, and it was a really fond memory. Well, I have an experience like that. And my experience is that I've had people who were disciple makers in my life all through my life, beginning at First Christian Church in Salem, Illinois, and then at Kentucky Christian University, and then at Southern Indiana, and then at Lincoln Christian University, and all through my life, God has put into my life, because I'm asking for them, people who will disciple me, people who will help answer questions I have about the faith, help when I struggle in my faith, help point me back to Jesus and back to his word. So have you found your Eli? We have to find our Eli or our Paul. Number four, the Holy Spirit speaks through mature believers. The Holy Spirit may speak through fathers and mothers of the faith. I would ask if you found that, Eli, and you're wanting to hear from God, and you're wrestling with the idea that how do I hear from God? How do I discern whether maybe God is communicating something to me specifically? I would ask you then, if you found your Eli, are you speaking to your Eli about that question? Or are you just kind of sitting alone with that question wondering like, God, are you, are you asking me to do what I think you're asking me to do? Because he's given us a community. He's given us a community. He calls us his body. So are you talking with your mother or father in the faith? Samuel, Samuel does that. In Samuel chapter 3, verse 8, And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. And I wonder how many people right now, maybe they're not even here this morning, maybe they've already been in here, maybe they're here right now, or watching online, or wondering, is God calling me to a specific action, or a specific decision that's going to lead to His glory and our good? And I wonder how many of them don't have an Eli to ask, or if they do, they never think to ask Him. Samuel did. Samuel went straight to Eli, and Eli perceived 
that the Lord was calling him. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now how many of us, like Samuel, can go and have a prayer time like that? I've already told you it's difficult for me to be still. How many of us can go and have a prayer time where we say, Speak, Lord, I'm listening, and then we're quiet? How many of us are willing to spend the time that it costs to do that? For many of us, this only happens when the decisions involve big dollars or death or divorce or just a really big decision in life. It's the only time that we're maybe willing to say, God, what should I do now? And then be quiet. And it's unfortunate because we're, we've taken a relationship with the Lord and we've kind of thought, maybe I can just turn this into a drive through relationship. But I want you to think, how well would that work out with a spouse? If you said to your spouse, uh, hey, hon, um, here's everything that's going on in my life. Uh, it's real busy right now. And I want to thank you for your help with the kids and with the laundry. That's been tremendous and amazing. Uh, but I am going to need some more help. I need you to take care of the yard, also the dog, and then don't forget all the kids' events and their homework. Um, by the way, I have to work late for the rest of this month. You'd better believe you're going to hear loud and clear from your spouse. But what if we treated our spousal relationship like we do whenever we want to hear from God, and it's this really big decision, and we just rush in there with, here's all the stuff that's going on, here's what I need from you, okay, thanks, bye. Why would we ever think that that's going to work out? There's no relationship. We're just kind of throwing it out there and taking off. I think that we're meant to live in a relationship with our brothers and sisters and with our Lord. See, the Holy Spirit speaks through brothers and sisters. So are you, are you talking it through with brothers and sisters? A couple of translations of Proverbs 11 here, where there's no guidance, a people fail, falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there's safety. And the Amplified Version says, where no wise guidance is, the people fall, but the multitude of counselors their safety. I wonder if it's difficult for you to seek counsel, or I wonder if it's simple, because for me, that's pretty easy. It's like a natural thing for me to do, to ask three different people how they solved something that I'm facing in life. And it could be something as simple as a mower repair, but it could be something as, as mysterious as discerning the voice of God. Are you willing to talk about that with mature brothers and sisters? As I said, we're a body. So, of course, we need to be in relationship with the head. But then also as a body, are you not in a relationship with other body parts? The Holy Spirit speaks through mature believers. That's number four. Number five, the Holy Spirit glorifies, guides, teaches, convicts, and reminds. And I want you to write one in there. The Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus. He glorifies Jesus. John 14, 26, Jesus says... But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. And some of you that walk in the Spirit have experienced this already. You've experienced Him reminding of God's truth. You've experienced Him teaching you in new ways through His Word. And some of you are wondering what that means. And I hope that today is a, a challenge for you to say, I need to experience that. Jesus goes on in John's writing, his gospel, when the spirit of truth comes, he'll guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, 
But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. The Holy Spirit glorifies, guides, teaches, convicts, and reminds. And I wonder for so many of us, how does this happen? Apart from our obeying, apart from our repenting, apart from our trusting someone like an Eli, a disciple maker, a father or mother in the faith, how else would the Holy Spirit speak to us? And I would say that's number six. The Holy Spirit speaks through the Word of God. And some of you are like, oh my gosh, I knew he was going to say the Bible. I knew, I knew I've, I've heard the sermon a thousand times. Well, um, just stick with me here for a second. Let me tell you why he has to do this. And I don't want to say it is the only way that he will communicate with us, but I do want to say what Scripture says here. So listen carefully as I read from what Peter is writing. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So the Word of God is inspired by the Spirit of God, and in that manner, the two are inextricably linked. Because the Holy Spirit's not, remember Jesus said he's not going to speak on his own, he's going to say what he hears. And then we hear that Scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit. So we now have the very Word of God given us to by the Holy Spirit, God, and we've got a whole record of that now. So I'm not telling you that the Holy Spirit is never going to say anything to you, but I am saying that the Word provides guardrails as we walk in the Spirit. Revelation, we remember Jesus said that if we add to the Word, then we lose our share of heaven. And in 1 John, again, John is writing, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. And you're asking, well, how do you do that? And he goes on to explain it. He says, this is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. So if there's a spirit that is speaking to you, that spirit should be in line with the truth that we have in the Word of God in every way, and especially in the way that acknowledges that Jesus is both God and man and has come in the flesh. So we're going to have spirit if we're going to hear from the Holy Spirit, we're going to hear it this way. We're also going to hear this, again from John 16. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are come. And again, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, primarily he will glorify me. And that's Jesus speaking. So Jesus tells us that whatever the Holy Spirit is saying is going to glorify Jesus. So if you're maybe, I don't know, know someone that's living in Oregon, or maybe the things that are happening in Oregon begin happening in Indiana very soon, like they've also happened in Illinois, but let's just say some certain substances become legal in Indiana for use of all kinds, and teenagers everywhere are saying, it doesn't say you can't smoke it in the Bible, and all right, teenager, you got us there. Good job. Is it glorifying Jesus, though? would be the next little gate on your flow chart of should I do this thing that you probably need to ask yourself. And it's really fun to think about that in terms of a teenager or a youngster who should know better. But it's also true in our lives and we have to ask ourselves, is what I'm doing glorifying Jesus? 
Is what I'm about to decide, what I think I'm hearing from God, is it something that's going to magnify and put the light on him and his name? Or is this a self-serving decision? The Holy Spirit speaks through the word of God. Uh, I asked Robin to come up, and Robin, would you come up again? Um, Robin is going to just answer the question, like, Robin, how have you discerned the voice of God in your life? I thought you might like to hear from someone who's done this for way longer than I have. I mean, not way longer, just, you know, longer than I have. <laughs> so Roman agreed to come up and uh, share with us uh, how he has discerned the voice of God in his life. Well, I, I too, like you have mentioned, um, I, I don't hear, Robin, I want you to do this. I don't, I don't hear that. So... Uh, I do, um, I think it's important for all of us, and I, if I don't want to hear what he wants to say, if I don't want to, if I don't want to do what he wants to do, why in the heck would he waste his time telling me anything? So I have to decide that, and I do, even though I'm not perfect, I, I do want to do what he wants me to do. And so if I have a, one of those big decisions that you mentioned, then, I, then I'll ask some people that I know that are strong in the faith and I respect their opinion and their judgment, and I'll ask them. And then I'll add that in there, and I pray and I ask God for wisdom. And then when I come up with what I think seems to be the right thing to do, then I'll say, okay, God, this is what I'm going to do. And then I'll make a decision to do it, and then I'll do it. And when I do something like that, then there is a peace after the fact, not before, mm. after the fact that I've decided to do something what God wants me to do. Often I'll sense, and this has to do with uh, people, relationships, uh, I'll get a name come to my brain and, and, and I know that I need, to, I need to call them, I need to talk to them, I need to visit with them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I've talked to you guys about Holy Spirit nudges. And I, I, think, I think God speaks to us that way. You know, he, he maybe brings something to our brain, whether it's actually an audible word right. or something like that. Maybe you're not hearing John Smith. No, it's like, Robin, I want you, not that. You not know. that. So, but, but I, I have this impression, this sense that it's something that he wants me to do. And when I do that, I, I have learned that when I do that, that it was a good thing to do. And I attribute that to God. And so that happens again and again and again and again. And so I have to decide, first of all, that I want to follow God and do what he wants. And then I ask him specifically or otherwise. And then I listen, I check with counselors, and then I do what he wants. And I find that after I do that, there is a sense that I've done what I'm supposed to do. I think you said you had peace or something. I, I do. Yeah. And then uh, we have each experienced, um, can you share the uh, professor's analogy from Ozark? DeWitt. His name is Don DeWelt. DeWelt. DeWelt, and he was a professor in school, and he talked about sometimes things are so clear, but 
they're as plain as your mother's name in letters of fire nine feet high. And we often want the Holy Spirit experience to be like that. We want God to speak that way. And as you said... But he doesn't. <laughs> not to me. That, that isn't how it's happened yeah, yeah, for you. No, there, I, have, I know of people, and I know people individually, that I do believe God speaks to them. Right. And because of, of their character and their integrity and their, my seeing how they live... I don't doubt what they tell me on that. So uh, I will say similar to that, I, I don't experience the nine-foot flaming letters of my mother's name, uh, but I know people who have, and I trust them because they're mature believers who walk in the Spirit. Uh, thanks for sharing that with us. Would you um, join me in praying? Sure. Do you want to start with number one? Let's pray. Father, we, we want to obey. So often we, we don't, but deep inside, we want to obey. Father, um, it may be the case that we are living unrepentant. And that may be willfully or it may be ignorantly, but I pray that you would search our hearts, that we would be open to this morning being convicted by your Holy Spirit of sin that needs repentance, of places we need to turn away from sin and towards you. Like a, like a cartoon that we may or may not have seen about a little kid wanting to see God, but he wants to see God with skin on. And so, Father, I pray for all of us in this room that, and those that are watching online, that, that you would help us to find our Eli, the individual or individuals who have gone before us, who are wise, not perfect, but wise, and they follow you, and that we would listen to and learn from our Eli. Father, um, we know that you may speak any way you want, but you may also speak through mature believers. Father, may that mature believer, whether it's our brother or sister or uh, in the faith, someone we're just journeying alongside as we try to walk in the Spirit in a way that's glorifying to you, uh, would you connect us with more of those as we give our, our time and attention to maturing in our faith, to progressing in our journey with you of becoming more like Jesus? Would you make those cl people uh, clear to us. Would you give us the courage to trust them as brothers and sisters, as members of this very body that is yours? Father, we are grateful for your Holy Spirit. 
We thank you when we begin our journey in following Jesus that you allowed your spirit to come and live inside of us. Father, we thank you that you speak through your word, but we thank you that your spirit is not tied to your word. And we pray that we might hear him communicate to us, whether it's a sense or an impression, a Holy Spirit nudge. And Father, may we respond and do what your spirit leads us to do. May we listen for and obey the guidance that you want us to receive from him. May we pay attention to his leading. Father, in our desire to walk in the Spirit, it's my prayer that we would have a correct view of you as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, not Father, Son, and Holy Scripture. But Father, I, I pray in that same breath, somehow you would help us have an appropriately very high view of your word as it is inspired by your Holy Spirit as he uses it to communicate to us and to give us guardrails for our life in the Spirit. I pray that we would turn to you for how you want us to live as we desire to become fully devoted followers. I pray this in Jesus' name. This morning, if you have a decision, it may be uh, on your heart to repent of something, to maybe commit for the first time because you're thinking, man, I don't know how this Holy Spirit stuff happens. But uh, Scripture makes it plain that we're separated from God by our sin and that the only hope that we have for life with Him is to commit our lives to Him. And as the praise team sings, maybe, uh, maybe it's a, a day that you've decided you want to commit your life to Christ. You want to live your life in Him. And I'd invite you to come to the front. Maybe you need to repent. Maybe you have questions about how this works and you'd like to know more. This is a time to come and to take that next step of faith as we seek to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ.